eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I mean, Joy, joining me today is Nigel Rio Coker, James Bench, and Joe Bay as we look ahead to the North London Derby and the Manchester Derby. So, Kego Lazzo begins right about now. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the boys and a warm golf clap. Welcome to our special guest, Joe Bear. Joe, welcome to the show. First and foremost, we got to ask you, how are you doing, buddy? Thank you so much for joining us. Listen, I'm doing well, man. I think the only thing that I'm not looking forward to is spending a whole hour listening to Nigel Rio Coco. But besides <laughs> that, I'm very, very happy to be on. Come on, let's get it cracking, man. Nigel, you are dodging the greatest named hurricane of all time at the moment in Florida. How's things going over there? It's not too bad, Ian, mate. It's named after yourself. Coming here, causing problems and then just passing straight through like he did nothing. But um, we're all right. We're missing the brunt of it. It's more on the West Coast, but we're all right. We've got two people with the name beginning with J who are Arsenal fans and who are living in a, a bit of a bubble right now. And, you know, that, that thing, Ian, of if we finish in the top four, that's great achievement. I think that's kind of, I smell that in the air with these Arsenal fans, but we'll get into them in a bit, Ian. Ian, I'm I sensing one it. question, mate, before you go on to James. I, just, I thought we were discussing big clubs today. What is he doing here? What is he <laughs> What's going on? He played against anyway. loads of them. Uh, yeah. Thank you, James. Thank you. A lot. Hey. Everybody loves an FA Cup tie where Nigel Rio Coker can get stuck in the mix right there. James Benjo, <laughs> how are you doing, man? You just caught the international. Uh, it was a cracker. Have you recovered from England, Germany? No, I haven't. I slept. I was. I was up till like five a.m. just buzzing about how special. Uh, that England performance was. And then I watched um, USA against Saudi Arabia and that really helped me get back to sleep. <laughs> I appreciate you, James Bench, so much. Thank you for your honesty, as always. All right, we're discussing the North London Derby. It's Arsenal against Tottenham Hotspur. Really looking forward to this game. Joe, seeing as though you are our special guest, you get to take the stage first and foremost. Um, I mean, according to the bookies, Arsenal are favourites in this game. And because you're an Arsenal fan, I can only imagine that you are predicting that Arsenal will get the job done this weekend. But why? I mean, how, how do they get the job done against a Red Hot Spurs side right now? Red Hot Spurs. Can I ask you one thing, Mr. Ian Joy? Who is top of the league 
thought so. Listen, Jonas. if you look, if you look at us this season, you know we've been missing. It's it's obvious that we were missing one or two players, you know. And with the arrival of Zinchenko and Jesus, to be honest with you, I don't even know if Zinchenko is fully fit at the moment. But I'll tell you one thing: his winning mentality, uh, you know, and and Gabriel Jesus as well. They've just come in and they've actually just flipped everything over at Arsenal. The goals that Gabriel Jesus has got so far, four goals. Yes, there were a few memes going around before he scored the fourth one saying, oh, Son has equaled the same amount of goals in one game. But the reality is it's been the mentality, it's been the hard work, the graft, and he's popped up when we needed him. And last year we had Lacazette, who, you know, we all respected at the club, but he just didn't score enough goals. This year we got the firepower. And on top of that, there's one man, one man who's a rock. Yes, he didn't play so well during the international game against Denmark the other day, but Mr. William Saliba, he has to be the best 21-year-old centre-back that you've seen in the Premier League. He has to be. So just with that alone, I'm very, very confident that Arsenal can come and do a good job. Don't forget, we beat Tottenham in this exact picture last year around this time. So uh, And we didn't have a, as good of a team. So I'm very sure that we're going to do the same this year. Ian, let me ask a question to James, the other Guna fan, because I know what Joel's going to be about anyway. Um, James, I'm supposed to be an objective journalist here. I'm just okay, but I'm saying from your opinion, because you're an Arsenal fan anyway, but anyway, who do you think's made the biggest impact to Arsenal? Saliba or Gabriel Jesus? Who do you think between the two, if you had to pick, has had that real impact that's really changed the mentality and dynamic of Arsenal that we've seen this season so far? Well, I was I was worried listening to Joel that I would be about to hear sort of the first set of sentences from an Arsenal fan that didn't rave about William Saliba. I was getting worried when he was sort of 30 seconds through. I was like, is he actually going to mention Saliba? But I, I think in the end, if you kind of say what has taken this team on to an, another level, that means they are top of the Premier League. It does kind of come down to, to Jesus, as, as Joel said. Um, you couldn't really fault Alexandra Lacazette's effort last season, but you know, for so many reasons, he'd just become a striker that didn't really do the kicking the ball in the net stuff. He couldn't run in behind. Um, you know, he worked very hard to bring the best out of the players around him, but he kind of just did that. And I think Jesus does an awful lot of that and scores and takes a lot of shots. He, and in a way, like Arsenal haven't had to change that much how they play. They've just hugely, hugely upgraded at that that centre-forward slot. I, I, I thought it didn't get maybe the, the hype it it merited because there were a lot of other things going on uh, after that Bournemouth game, including a, a debut for the youngest um, Premier League, uh, the youngest player ever in the Premier League. But Gabriel Jesus' header for um, the Arsenal's goal off the Granit Xhaka assist was just some really magnificent football. And, you know, that, that's a side as, as well that Arsenal haven't had in a striker since, you know, even before Van Persie, someone that can do a bit of everything, can win the balls in the air, can score can interlink and brings out so much of Gabriel Martinelli as well. And he's become a leader on that team day one. I remember after that Brentford game, I was down in the, in the mix zone in the tunnel after the game. And he was, you know, he was one of those players that went up and spoke for the press, which is, you know, Nigel and you know, Ian, that's what the leaders in the team do. Whatever the result, you're, they're the ones that come out and speak and set the tone. And Jesus is that as well as a top striker. He's been a great signing for Arsenal. Now, Joel, your, my question to you is, obviously, Jesus didn't make the Brazil squad. A very talented Brazil squad, very competitive. And we, we're, all very, we're all very impressed with what we saw from Brazil in the preparation for the World Cup. Do you think him not making the squad now is going to be a huge benefit to Arsenal? 
Hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a supporter of Arsenal Football Club, not Brazil. Anything that's going to work in my favour, I'm going to take, and it's going to give him the urging, the the burn, and the urgent desire to play. He's going to be looking at Richarlison, who's ahead of him, Vinicius Judah, who's ahead of him, Neymar, who's ahead of him, you know, Anthony, who's ahead of him. He's going to go back and say, okay, look, I've got like eight weeks, right, to get myself ready. Probably six if you're looking at the announcement of the official squads. And he's going to be giving it his all. And let's be honest with you, we're going to need to rack up as much points as possible. Because after the World Cup, I keep saying you're going to see a whole heap of funny behaviour. You're going to see players coming back, you know, probably, you know, bigger names, bigger profiles, bigger attitudes. So we want to make sure that we're making sure we're wrap, wrapping up as much points as possible. And I think him not going, and it's not just him that didn't go. Um, Gabriel didn't go either. Um, and neither did, um, neither did Martinelli. So that is actually going to make our team, I think, even stronger. With the unity we have, those boys are going to work extra hard in training and we're going to make sure that we stay top of the league. <laughs> just, to, just to dive in on Gabriel Jesus, I know that in his case, basically Chiche didn't pick him because he knows he's going to the World Cup uh, and they know. But I think Richarlison having scored two goals and having had, you know, such success on that first friendly, you know, that that speaks to Joel's point. It's going to light a fire in his belly because I think Richarlison will be also that these those two strikers will be playing, fighting for the number nine spot in that World Cup opener. But the other one that, that Joel mentioned and story on that, Gabriel Martinelli, um, when he arrived at Arsenal, and remember he came from state-level football, you know, this was not a, a player that everyone had been talking about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, people who knew him were saying, he's going for 2022. He and, and he, you know, he has not been at Arsenal long. He joined in the summer of 2019 and everyone was talking about him as a player that would start in the under-23s. So you sort of said... Oh yeah, no, that's good. It's always, you know, it's good to dream big, isn't it? What was it? David Brent said, you know, good to keep up the doodling. You never know. Um, And here he is. And obviously it's going to be really tough for Martinelli. You know, he's, he's fighting against the likes of Neymar, Rafinha, Anthony, but he's in with a shout and he's been playing like a player that knows if he can just get a run of form together, he can get in that 26. And so, I mean, he's the player I'm most excited to see in the Premier League over the next few weeks. I worry, I, for I, him. I worry for him internationally. I mean, you're saying he has a chance and obviously as Gooners, we're going to be like, yeah, go on Martinelli. We want, we want what's best for him, but I don't see him getting into that Brazil team, if I'm honest with you. And hopefully we benefit from that. And that's just me being honest. Yeah, well, it's incredibly difficult to get into this Brazil squad. It's one of the most talented, if not the most talented squads that we have ever seen from Brazil heading into a World Cup. And I think what you're doing domestically for your club team is going to be so, so important, especially with Arsenal flying so high, confidence flying high. It's a, I think it's a good, puts them, those players who are fighting to get into that squad in a really great position to do so. Um, obviously, a lot of internationals to deal with now going into the North London derby. Um, does this change anything when it comes to... Uh, you know, either Arteta or Conte choosing his starting 11? Because you have to put into consideration now, Nigel, that a lot of players have traveled a long distance. I mean, we've got a ton of players, not just five or six who are playing in South American uh, nations. We've got Asian nations. We've got all over the world when it comes to this game. Does that come into consideration of a manager's mind that these players might not be arriving back until probably tomorrow before they then get into training ahead of a massive game, which is the early kickoff on the Saturday? A lot of that has changed now, Ian. You'd have to say a couple of years back or years when we were playing, then yeah. But nowadays, these clubs are very well prepared. A lot of these clubs do organise private flights for some of their star players to return immediately after the game. So there's no 
messing around in a hotel and flying out the next day. So I think what happens is now they pay attention more to the science behind it of how much game time was played by these players, how they're feeling. They'll be conditioned straight away ready for the game. I think it's going to be very, very interesting in this encounter. North London derby after an international break, after what these players went through emotionally for their nations that are representing. You know, you look at the indifferent form with England and, you know, Harry Kane getting the goal against Germany. I'm sure that's going to breed a lot of confidence and fire in his belly coming back into a North London derby. Obviously, we talked about just Jesus right now missing out uh, in the Brazilian squad. So, again, we're hoping it's a good reaction, but we've got no guarantee it's going to be a good reaction. We, he could still really be hurt. He could still want to be part of the Brazilian squad. You know, no player really wants to believe they're being rested or say, oh, I want to rest. No, you know, they, they want to play football. And if, of course, you're seeing the success of Brazil and how the camaraderie is there, the togetherness and everyone's talking about Brazil. That still might hurt an individual. Like being a, we're all human beings as players and he still might want to be part of it. He might not be thinking about Arsenal, not in a disrespectful way, Nigel, I'm still thinking about representing his national team. Nigel, Nigel, stop, stop. You're trying, to, you're trying to create a scenario that doesn't exist. There's no doubt that he's going to come back hungrier than ever. So please stop the notion of, oh, he's not going to turn up because he's thinking about Brazil. Hey, we all Mate, see. He, it's he a knows, derby. He knows this is the game to really put himself on the map. He didn't do so as, as much as what he wanted to do during the Man United match. But this is the next big game. This is where you're going to see those players, especially haven't gone they've all banded together i've got the inside knowledge bro i know what's going on you know what i mean so just please expect a very very big performance that's all i'm saying we'll see ian but we'll see we'll see joe we'll see because it's a derby game derby game there's only two types of derby games you get either a very good game or a very poor game there's no such thing as an in-between derby and i think I... right now it's the perfect time for a derby tottenham coming off that big win against uh, Leicester City and obviously Arsenal right now coming in as well so I think it's the great time for North London derby and I feel that this is another real big test for Arsenal because I think when you look at the managers I think Conte for me is a better tactically manager than Mikel Arteta he's more tactically Ooh. cute than Arteta in how he's going to set up and I think if any Arsenal fan disagrees you're lying to yourself right now you're drinking that Kool-Aid but Conte is a lot more tactically cute and I feel he's going to set up Tottenham in a very defensive structure, waiting for that counter-attack and try and frustrate Arsenal. I think Arsenal are going to feel that the game has to be won in that first 20, 30, 40 minutes high pressure. As the game goes on and Tottenham stay in that game, they have some dangerous players and some talent in that squad and uh, players who can come on. So I feel... It's it's, listen, be- Nigel, yeah. it's one of the most exciting North London derbies we're, we're going to witness for a long time. Let's hope the game lives up to the standard as well. James Bench, let's touch on uh, Tottenham Hotspur and, and Conte and the job that he's doing there. Do you agree with Nigel? Do you think it's going to be a tentative approach and, and obviously team selection as well? Because it's been very difficult for Conte to pick certain players. He's got a lot of players sitting on the bench trying to get into his starting eleven. Also dealing with international players coming back from long distance but he will go into this game hoping that maybe he can sneak a victory or will he have the confidence to go and say, hey, you know what? This is top of the table class here. We're going to try and pick up all three points and maybe just go from it from the get-go. What do you think? I mean, I completely agree with Nigel. Um, I think, you know, when he says that Antonio Conte is better tactically than Mikel Arteta, he's right. But the truth is that Antonio Conte is is better than almost any other manager in the world with one or two, literally one or two exceptions. And he has... Part of that is he has no compunctions with 
sitting deep, playing on the counter. And we saw that again, you know, when they were at home in a must-win game, in a must-win North London derby. And by the way, Nigel saying, the only thing I don't agree with him is him saying there are exciting derby games and boring ones. There are only exciting North London derbies. It is stupid. It is dramatic. Um, I can't remember the last time I was bored by one, uh, whether I've been disappointed or delighted as a, you know, it has invariably given me something to write about. But I mean, he he will be more than willing to to play his, to set up that back three and tell him soak up pressure and we will hit it long and we will trust that our players are more disciplined and more organised and less likely to make a mistake than Arsenal's. That's what we saw in that North London derby where basically Tottenham won top four. Um, at the end of last season. Everyone sort of forgets it, and rightly so, but for the first 15, 20 minutes, Arsenal were some of the best football they, they'd played. And but they were finish the, the top best four team on the pitch. But exactly. They, no, I okay. agree. They didn't finish in the top four because they lost their heads. Rob Holding made some really foolish mistakes. or you know He struggled against Son. And I think the logic will be that, and, and Spurs' approach has to be, you know, we can trust ourselves to not make mistakes. They've been doing this a lot in the Premier League. Like from what I hear, fans are not, and Conte is not over the moon with how they're playing, but they have a plan B that is, we won't give up lots of shots. We won't give up loads of expected goals. And at the other end, we have not just Kane and Son, but also Kulisevsky, also Richarlison. They have game winners at the other end of the pitch. So that's what we're going to see. And the, the question is, can Arsenal keep their heads and uh, can Arsenal make that quality show early on? Joel, jumping there on Conte, I want to hear your words on Antonio Conte and the job that he's doing. And I know it's not easy for, for Gunners fans to really talk about Tottenham Hotspur in, in a positive manner, but Conte's been terrific and he's got Tottenham playing really good football right now that's entertaining to watch. First of all, you know, I'm a realist football fan, unlike Nigel. Um, so I have no problem admitting when someone is a good manager. I think Nigel's 100% right there. Conte, for me, I would have taken him. I don't know why United didn't take him. Um, you know, even Tuchel right now, I, I think people are actually up, totally upset. You know, he's sat right now and there's nowhere for him to go. But yeah. that's the story. In regards to Conte, I really, really, truly think he's only beneath Pep, if I'm honest with you, or maybe Klopp. He is a top, top, what top-class manager. Uh, and, you know, it's obvious he's got them playing in a particular type of way. He's the first person that I've seen uh, be able to kind of like, you know, um, make life a little bit difficult for Daniel Levy. He gets what he wants. He gets the contract terms that he wants. And I think that gets people on board. So people know it's either his way or there is no other way. Um, so, yeah, when you're looking at Spurs' team in general, I actually think they've got a better squad than Arsenal. I think defensively, we're probably better than them. But when I look at their midfield and I look at their attacking options, it's very, very scary. Outside of Arsenal's starting eleven, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked. You know, I can I can talk to you about Cedric. I can talk to you, you know, about Kieran Tierney's injury issues. I can talk to you about Lokonga not really step, stepping up. I can talk to you about Xhaka being injured. I can, you know, there's a, loads of conversations. If you look at Gabriel Jesus and then the difference underneath him, who's the backup striker? Eddie and Ketia, too much of a gap there. You know, at least when you're looking at Spurs, they're stacked. They're stacked all over the gap. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I truly think that what Arteta has done is he's got a unity that we haven't had in a long time. And when we, you've got comfortable players that William Saliba receiving the ball and being able to start to play from the back, you know, that's, a, that's the type of stuff that we haven't added in a long time. Those are the key players that I'm looking at, if I'm honest with you. I'm looking at Saliba, you know, I'm looking at, believe it or not, Granit Xhaka, Odegaard, Jesus. And of course, Zinchenko, because he's able to start the play from the left-hand side. Um, yes, you've got your Sackers, who hasn't 
he hasn't been 100% on form this season, if I'm to be really honest. And you've got Martinelli, who's been a bonus for us. So over the, even though there's the spine that I'm looking at, we've got different parts in the pitch, but that's with the starting 11. I'm not 100% convinced with the subs coming on. Right. Ian, I was just going to say to you, because uh, I don't really listen to these two goonies anymore. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, in performances of what you've seen of Tottenham so far, mm-hmm. I rate Tottenham at just about a 7. So that's my thing. What would you give Tottenham? Because I don't think Tottenham are particularly playing great. But the fact of what James said, just to add on to that, Tottenham fans are happy because they look very well organised. They're very hard to beat. And I don't feel they're still really playing at their peak yet. And it's scary mm-hmm. to see how well they're doing without playing at their peak. I think they're doing okay, just about a seven. What would you rate Tottenham? Yeah, I think I'll agree with you. I think you're you're looking at about a seven. Obviously, in the Premier League, to get the results that they have done, they're very difficult to beat, as they've proven in the Premier League already. So defending well. Um, I was a little bit concerned about the, the Champions League performance recently. That, that brought maybe a little bit of a signal to me that there's still a lot of room for improvement for Conte and his side, um, and certainly a bit of concern. But getting uh, Son back scoring goals, getting that confidence back, and, and you could see with the celebrations that he took it personally, the fact that he went on a little bit of a drought without scoring goals, is going to be tremendously important for, for what Tottenham do and what they can achieve this season. I mean, to even ask it to our viewers out there, you know, are Tottenham Hotspur a side that can go and compete for a top two finish in the Premier League? Could they potentially challenge for a championship? The answer would probably be no especially when you look at the performances they've put out right now. And you touched upon it. I think you've all really touched upon it. With Conte's tactical approach to games, he has a lot of offensive-minded players who want to play freely, who, who don't want to be held back in a tactical formation that's looking to frustrate opponents, and it's looking to play counter-attacking football. But my, oh my, he's got a squad of players that are electric when they do get an opportunity to go forward. Being impressed with what Kulusevski has done, outstanding. Obviously, news coming out that they're looking to extend his contract. Spoke to Fabrizio Romano about that this morning. And um, obviously, having uh, you know, a player like Harry Kane, which is my, my, my biggest question to Fabrizio this morning was, when you hear rumors about Bayern Munich trying to get a Harry Kane, do they keep him happy? Can they keep him happy? And the only way to keep Harry Kane happy is by winning these big games in North London derbies, by staying in the top four, playing in the Champions League and challenging for trophies, which is something that he's simply not done at Tottenham. So I'd agree with you, Nigel. I'd have to say that I think, you know, around about a seven, room for improvement, and certainly going into a game like this where... You know, international players are coming back. I am a little bit concerned about where Tottenham Hotspur are. Confidence, fitness, and um, being fresh going into this game. Whereas you see some of the Brazilian players have been rested for Arsenal and uh, are ready to rock and roll. And that includes one Gabriel Jesus. Uh, James, how do you think this game's going to be won or lost? I mean, I want a prediction from you uh, before we move on and take a quick break. Uh, it's it's a tough game. Obviously, you're going to speak from your heart, uh, heart I would imagine. But this is a game no. that's going to be a close affair. How do you think it's going to be won or lost? Well, I, th- I mean, I think even, you know, you will accuse me of looking at my, of, of speaking with my fan hat on. But when you look at this objectively, the Tottenham have won twice in the Premier in Premier League games in North London, i.e., you know, away from home. Two wins. Um, I think none since 2014. Arsenal have won seven, drawn four of the last 11 Premier League North London derbies at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something. It is a really hard place for, and it's the same, like, it's the same record a very similar record in um, at Tottenham. I think the last time Arsenal won there was 2014. So, you know, this is a really tough place for either team to go and, and get a result. And I think Arsenal are really, really actually just really very good. So I'm kind of going to 
say that I think they'll shade this 2-1. Um, but, I mean, it could be 2-2, two, two, could be 3-2. It'll certainly be mad, whatever the, the result is. But I'm going to say they'll they'll shade it, and history is on their side. I have seen much worse Arsenal teams beat slightly better Tottenham teams. So um, I'll say, and as I think the least likely result is a Spurs win. So I will say that, that Arsenal win it 2-1. And, and curry favour with our guest, Joel. Joel, go for it. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I, I do agree with uh, James. I do think we'll shade it. Um, I, I do think it'll be a 2-1, but I, I don't think it's going to be easy at all. Um, even last year when we won, it was only within the last 20 minutes that we absolutely dominated the game. Um, but I, I generally think I can see a Gabriel Jesus goal um, and I can see a, a really good really good performance again from Martinelli because I think those two have been bouncing off very well off each other. I think there's a connection there that we haven't seen for a very, very long time in regards to players. Um, and yeah, uh, that's why I see Arsenal winning it. I can see an Eric Dyer mistake at the back. Um, I think he hasn't been tested enough yet, but I definitely see a mistake there. And mm-hmm. just in general, I think we're riding high on confidence at the moment. The Brentford win. Did you see the Brentford win, Nigel? Did you see it? Did you see the performance? The revenge right. mission. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Brentford. No problem. We'll give you a cookie for that. Don't forget what they did. We'll send you some cookies. They beat United 4-0. We went down. We showed them. Back, back, back. Oh, my God. Get it done. So, you know, that for me, that was a test of character. Weren't you the one giving me WhatsApps? Like, oh, Brentford's a big game. You know, you got to watch out for Brentford, right? <laughs> Same thing to you when it comes to this game. Please make sure your phone is on after we beat Tottenham this Saturday. Thank you. Statement. Statement. Thanks. Go ahead, Nigel. Thanks, I'm going to go for, honestly, something's telling me that Tottenham are going to win this game. And again, we discussed about how good Conte is. I'm telling you now, I believe Tottenham will win this game and I'm going for a score of 3-1. I think Tottenham are going to frustrate Arsenal. Really, are. I think they're riding high on confidence. I think uh, Son is back on form. He's going to be ready to go. Ricarlison, Harry Kane. Hey. Hold on, Joe. Hold on, hold on. on. I'll let you say your bit. Let me say my bit. I think that Tottenham really just have the firepower. I think they're going to be very organised to frustrate um, Arsenal. And let's not forget, like, this is an element that we forget to understand sometimes, right? You talk about Conte. You see the character that he is. He's no nonsense. He's ruthless. He knows that Gabriel Jesus is a danger. Do you not think he's going to be having words with his centre-backs this week? Italian manager, Italian style. They're going to be playing a bit of dark arts with Gabriel Jesus. Trust me. They're going to leave a mark on him early to let him know he's in a game. And they're going to really try and snuff him out from having such an influence. That is part of football. That's part of football that a lot of players, ex-players don't talk about when managers used to come and pinpoint certain players to say, look, stick a leg on him, leave a mark on him. I have a feeling Conte will be doing that and you're going to see Eric Dyer probably leave a good mark on Gabriel Jesus. I'm not saying it's going to be the end of his game, but they're really going to test his character. And if you can keep him quiet, that's when you're going to have a good game against Arsenal. He's already going to identify what players need to be doubled up on and keep them quiet. I think Tottenham are going to win this. I'm going to go with a 3-1 scoreline. Go on, Joel. Do you know what makes me laugh? Like, if you reckon that Conte is going to be saying that to his players, what do you reckon Arteta is going to be saying to his players? What? Oh, no, he's going to be playing music. He's going to be playing the Tottenham theme drawings. music at the training the ground. He's yeah, going to yeah. be playing the Tottenham theme music at the training ground to get them up for North London derby. <laughs> Bear in mind, these are professionals. If they can't get up for a game, they're in the wrong profession, all right? Listen, but what I'm saying... You never yeah, walk alone again. But what I can say is... I think you're going to get you're going to be getting the same thing. You're going to be identifying Kane, especially Kane because I think he's the main man. And they're going to say, "Listen, whatever way we contain him, it might not be a kick, but we have to make sure we contain him and he has to know that he's not going to have an easy game." Um I'd, you, yeah. yeah, you'd I'd be more worried about Harry Kane leaving something on 
one of the the uh, thank you Arsenal defenders. Actually, then I would the Tottenham defenders leaving some. You know, yeah. If we're talking about players that boy. do the dark arts, Harry yeah. Kane is the king Very of the dark arts. He knows and how gets to away do with it because he's the England captain. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to jump in right here right now because obviously we recognize it's not an easy game to predict. Nigel's got his opinion. So does Joel. So does James. And and rightfully so. Speaking from the heart, a couple of the people in this chat right now, Nigel Rio Coker, I'm not sure what he's speaking from. Tottenham Hotspur undefeated this year in the Premier League. It's very difficult to bet against them. So I like the plus... 255, as you mentioned, Nigel, and your predictions this year have been red hot, so it's hard to bet against you as well. However, I'm going to go with the Gunners uh, this time. I think uh, the, the rest of Gabriel Jesus is going to really turn it on. I love what Arteta's doing. It seems like a different Arsenal. He's got a different vision, and um, I think he's getting better as a coach. He will have learned from last season's lessons, and when it comes to big games, Arsenal know they need to step up now. Obviously, learning a lesson from what happened in uh, the game against Manchester United as well, so I'm going for the Gunners to get a win. Um, guys, awesome stuff as always. You're watching Kegel So everybody out there, thank you so much for your comments. Keep throwing them in here. We've got Nigel Rio Coker. We've got James Benjamin. We've got Joel Bear, our special guest with us today. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, there'll be more to come from us as we discuss the Manchester Derby. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to Kegel Lato to enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coker, James Benj, and our special guest, Joel Bayer. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joel. Uh, we're going to discuss the, the Manchester Derby. We've got the comments firing in here. A nice one from ah. Billy already. Nigel Rio Coker is a Spurs fan. How sad is that? Nigel, are you a Spurs fan before we talk about the Manchester Derby? What's up with that? Tell Billy to get the heck, man. I'm not no Spurs fan. No, I don't drink that Kool-Aid. I just speak the you truth. Mate, you I just speak the mate. truth, mate. I'm not a Spurs fan, Billy. Not at all. I just love, Lovely. I just love, to, I just love it when you speak to Arsenal fans. They're still in that top four Arsene Wenger fairy tale. That's success for us. They make the top four this year, did you? Eh? Eh? Yeah. Anyway, let's go, Ian. 
Let's not have got let's the feeling about that proper derby, the, the Manchester WhatsApp derby. group has actually taken over here with Nigel Rio Coker and Joe going after each other. I can't even begin to imagine what happens in that group chat right there. Let's talk about the Manchester derby that's coming up on Sunday. It's an absolute banger to look forward to. I mean, we have to start by talking about Erling Haaland and the way he settled into the Premier League. Joel, I'd like to get your opinion of him because obviously he's a player we've all admired from afar. Not many expected him to have this type of an impact coming into the Premier League. But my question to you would not necessarily be about Erling Haaland, it would be about Manchester City. Do you think they've changed the way they play, in, including particular players like a Kevin De Bruyne tactically, the way they approach games just to make sure that they're playing in favour of Erling Haaland because now he's got a killer in the box? 100%. I mean, obviously for me, City has been a fantastic team. Um, I think the difference is now they have another plan. You know, I look at the Champions League games for example, last year, you got Man City playing against Real Madrid Riyad Mahrez gets down, gets down the wing instead of squaring it to someone he decides to shoot. You know, everyone's angry with him. I think City don't kill the game. They lose to Real Madrid. Benzema does his job. Bish, bash, bosh. But this season, if Mahrez gets to the same position, he's going to be squaring it. Do you know why? Because you've got an Erling Haaland there. Because you've got a focal point. You've got a player that finishes the game. And what he says in the press conference room, oh, Phil Foden finally passed the ball to me today. He knows exactly why he's there and what his job is. And on top of that, he's doing an absolutely fantastic job at it. So as far as I'm concerned, I've seen him. I watch him off the pitch, you know. This is a warrior that you're talking about here for £51 million, an absolute slip of a signing as well. So, yeah, when it comes to Erling Haaland, I think there's, there's no doubt that you're possibly seeing the greatest striker, number nine, that is pure number nine that's ever played in the Premier League. And yes, I can say that so early on. Yeah. Big statement. That's a, that's a big statement. Yep. It's been some legends, but that's a big statement. Do you know? No, I, I think in this generation, yeah, he is. But I won't like there's there's some so many players that have done some great things in the Premier League. You can't you talk about old school guys, you talk about Rude Van Nistroy was a beast and a monster when he played in the Premier League. You talk yeah, about Andy Cole. Andy Already. Cole's record still hasn't been broken for the quickest amount of quickest to 50 He's goals in number of games. I think for me. And Haaland is the most athletic we've seen for his size and his structure that we haven't. We're not so used to someone so big being so quick, so agile, so good technically and a natural born finisher. Like he's not he's more than a target man. And I think with Man City now, it adds a different dynamic. Kevin De Bruyne, we know what he's like when he's got the ball out wide. Quite similar to Tillemans as well. The crosses that they put in are world class crosses. Now he knows he's got a striker that can get into the end of these crosses He's putting in some great crosses. There's a great brotherly love going there between De Bruyne and Haaland. And I think he has that egg factor. You look at the goal against um, Borussia Dortmund. You mm. told me what other player has the athleticism to do that and finish that in oh, the back. Slatan. Nigel, Nigel, Nigel. Did you just put Kevin De Bruyne and Tillemans in the same conversation? I said very similar <laughs> when they get out wide in the sense of crossing. You watch Tillemans for Leicester. I'm not saying they're the same player. I said very similar. That's not a very look good... look at Tillemans, when Tillemans plays for Leicester, when he gets out wide, what does he do? Put crosses into the box. Tillemans ain't been doing nothing this season, mate. Yeah, not yeah. That's why Arsenal won him, right? I'm even Ian, thinking, that's why Arsenal won him, right? I'm even thinking... Arsenal did try to send him. He's going to play oh, like that. He might as well stay in Leicester. <laughs> James, anyway. jump in. James, let's yes. jump in because I want to hear your opinion on Manchester City. I mean, the guys are obviously debating there with Tillemans and a potential move to <laughs> Arsenal that didn't happen. Um, and obviously, how well, happy Kevin they De Bruyne didn't really try and sign him. Um, but, but that's that's by the by. I mean, if we maybe go back to Haaland, I think one of yep. the really interesting things 
with him. We all asked questions, didn't we, about how he'd fit into the build-up. And basically the answer is he hasn't. Like, he's not getting those progressive passes. They're just waiting. You know, he's he's doesn't touch the ball until he puts it in the net. And that's fine. And, it you know, I think we worried that the build-up wouldn't be as, as elegant as Swift when they're kind of sacrificing... You know, whether it was a Jesus, a Sterling, I mean, often it was De Bruyne was basically the number nine or Foden, a, a proper um, playmaker. Mm. And it turns out they didn't need that anyway. They can get the ball to the penalty area absolutely fine. And then Haaland does what Haaland does. I mean, kind of flipping it to Manchester United as well. I'm really intrigued by how, if Lisandro Martinez plays, how how on earth he goes about defending Haaland. Like, it, it, I know it got very heightened, especially early in the season, the conversations about Martinez and, and the fact he's five foot nine um, and that that would be, you know, that would make it impossible. And to an extent, he's he's obviously shown an a, aggression and a quality on the deck that answer, that shows he, he can be useful. But I don't know how he goes about, you know, he, he doesn't compete in aerial duels. And when, when people kind of show his aerial duel numbers, they're kind of quite false anyway, because how often does he not go up for a header? Cause he knows he's not going to win it. And he has to focus on making sure United win the second ball. But what's going to happen when, you know, if city just decide like, you know, like Nigel says, Kevin De Bruyne can just ping one onto Haaland's head. And there is no way Martinez is getting within half a foot of Haaland. If he gets the jump up. Yeah, but James, just, how... just uh, let me let me jump in real quickly, James. And uh, yeah, you're yeah. making a great point here, but I've got to jump in real quickly. Let's not forget that they competed against each other. I think it was last season when Haaland mm, was at Borussia good. Dortmund and Ajax Amsterdam smashed Dortmund by four goals to nil, by the way. Haaland didn't even have a sniff in that game against Martinez. I think you obviously you have to cut out the you have to cut out the supply line to it to an extent, don't you? If you can stop the ball going into the box, and I think that's maybe the difference is Ajax could do that. Ajax could use defensive possession and attacking possession and and get the ball where they wanted it and make sure that Dortmund weren't getting in positions to feed Haaland. Can Manchester United do that to Man City? That would be my real doubt. Um, and I think if you can't cut out the supply lines, then you can't stop him from winning those aerial duels. And by the way, he'll win them against Varane as well. And he'll win them against anyone if he wants to. Um that's a really good point. And I have to say, I hadn't thought of that, that, you know, he has had success against him with Ajax, but, but sometimes I think, you know, with that Martinez debate in particular, we're kind of guilty of just sort of say, looking at the numbers or, or looking at the outcomes mm-hmm. and maybe not sort of looking at what we didn't even see happen. The, the aerial duels, the, the challenges we didn't see happen because we know that Martinez will not be able to defend Haaland like that. The question is, does City feel like playing that? I know that Guardiola in particular, he he won't want to just sort of win by hitting it. I mean, he's done it once or twice with Bayern before, hasn't he? But he won't want to win long ball style. But it's clearly, it's going to be a, a great way to to dominate United. Yeah. I, I just want to add on to what James has said there. And I think it, it's, it's true. And I think we talked about managers already. We talked about Conte and obviously now you're talking about Pep. Now, we all know Pep is one of the managers who pays the most attention to detail. Sometimes he overthinks things. Like James has said there, do you not think that Pep is going to be looking at Martinez as a bit of a weak link in the physical battle with Haaland and want to infiltrate that as a way of winning this Manchester derby? What do you think, Joel? 100%. I mean, when James was talking, the only thing that came to mind is Ben Me, you know, and I don't even think that was exploited as much as it could have been. But I, I looked at that and I thought to myself, 
when you have especially set pieces because we know look we know that martinez is good when it comes to a one-on-one situation he gets himself out there he's obviously got a lot of heart you know good technical ability but there's just some things that his body's not going to be able to do because of his height and let's not forget you're talking about all these goals that harland scored nigel what are you going to do when you've got a towering guy like that you know climbing up in the air even if you jump to the highest highest degree possible you're not stopping him you know and on top of that Haaland's one of the best when it comes to headering the ball. So I think you're gonna look you're gonna see a lot of plans, especially when it comes to set pieces. Uh so yeah, for me, I reckon Pep's definitely gonna be looking at that and saying this is an area we need to exploit. Yeah, it's a great point. We've got a comment coming in from Matt. He says Martin is a short, but harsh to call him the weak link when Harry Maguire is standing right next to him. It's a great comment right there. He, he, Joel, he won't be, will he? And if he is like man man city are winning this six 0 yeah, the whole point is it won't be because it's mad to do so. It's a fabulous comment. And obviously everyone uh, has the question marks over Maguire after what happened in the internationals and the lack of playing time as well this week. Joe makes a fantastic point right there about obviously playing into that direction when you've got someone who's such a big presence uh, and then someone who's just has a disadvantage of a height. I remember playing one game against Leverkusen and I was playing against uh, Stefan Kiesling. I don't know if you guys remember Kiesling. He was like six foot five, right? And they put him out on my wing. I was playing left back in the game and they put him out on my wing and just kept feeding balls right over to my channel. And I had absolutely no chance. And for the first 20 minutes, that's all their success just came down on that right-hand side because all they were doing was pinging the balls to him. He was flicking them on and they were trying to get him behind our other three defenders. And and tactically, you've got to make you've got to make an improvement. You've got to try and change things as the game go on. But I don't know if you can change when you're playing against Erling Haaland because it's not just the height you're dealing with it's the strength it's the speed if you mark him close if you go up high I mean I think everybody's recognizing this they get him behind I mean they're so dangerous to get him behind so there's no escaping this no matter which way tactically you approach this game if you are Ten Hag Manchester City will find a way to freaking break you down. They're that good because it's not just Erling Haaland. It's the players who play around him. It's the midfield who gets forward. And it's all the other things that Erling Haaland does as well. Nigel, you agree? I 100% agree with you. Yeah, they, they will find a way. And again, like we already discussed it, Pep for me is one of the managers who pays attention to detail. The thing about Haaland is, even if it's not Martinez, I don't feel Manchester United have a defender good enough or capable enough to be able to handle him. That's just the reality. The squad they have right now isn't good enough where they can say, right, we trust him going in one-on-one battle who will be able to at least keep him quiet while everyone else can do their job. So I feel that they will find a way. I feel that Manchester United are still kind of rebuilding, finding themselves and their identity. I don't think they're that level yet of consistency. I think, again, it's another great game. It's going to be a great Manchester derby. But I just feel that Manchester City are just too well-equipped player-wise, squad-wise, depth, tactics, substitutes they can bring off the bench to really change that game where Manchester United is still very limited. Uh, You know what I want to do? I just want to say quickly, Nigel, the more that I'm looking at Man United's defenders, we're talking about Martinez being the issue here. He's probably the best striker, uh, the best defender they have to come against Haaland. 100%. (laughs) From a defensive point of view, you're right, Joel. From a defender to defend, he is the best they've got. Because he's smart. Because he's smart, right? He uses his brain. He uses his brain and then also he does play with a lot of heart and passion. But the problem is, like you said, the reality of it is it's the physical physical difference. Haaland isn't just tall and can't jump. No, he's tall and can jump and be dominant in the air. There's only so much Martinez will be able to do. And that's the problem that you're going to have. And even with so much attention being played to Haaland, 
we're forgetting mm-hmm. about the, the top luxury players that Man City have around him that can cause problems in all other areas of the pitch as well. It's true. It reminds me when we, we used to play together, Nigel, and I used to bully you because you're so much better. You, <laughs> you, you're still bullying him right now, Joe. James Bench, go ahead, take it away. I know you've got some things on Manchester United. Let's talk about them for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, I agree with everything everyone's been said, and I cannot see United keeping a clean sheet. Kind of like they didn't against Liverpool, and they didn't against Arsenal. But they did win both those games because, to an extent, they were a bit bit lucky that when the teams had their opposition had a lot of possession, they didn't make maybe make as much of it as they should. And also the one thing we're forgetting, like, you know, they have these players that can roast you on the counter. And it's interesting, isn't it? How quickly Eric Ten Hag has kind of eased back from what we thought it'd be the more Ajax style to like, I will play three quick forwards up top. He will play, let's assume Rashford, Sancho, two players kind of going back to what we were saying earlier with a big point to prove. And he'll play Anthony. And they will, you know, they will sit on the halfway line um, and they will break and they will, City will play with a high line. And that's, that's their chance, isn't it? That these players we know are, are ruthless on the counter, will really punish any mistakes, will make the most of the chances that, that come their way. And, oh, right. and I think you, you have think to get so, lucky. Dave? I think I'm, so. I'm not going to say that those three are very clinical. Like, I, 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 well, think they I mean, look at, Rash- look at what Rashford and... Where- yeah, but there's Look chances where Rashford, I feel, could do a little bit better with some of the opportunities that I don't think they're uh, they're top players. I'm not denying that, but I don't think they're that real clinical level yet. Where you'll be like, go. I think they missed yeah. and needed yeah. too many chances. I think that's... Nigel, Nigel, I want to hear James finish his point here, but let's not forget no. Manchester City have conceded goals this year and found themselves behind in a number of games. Go ahead, James. Oh, actually, I, I do agree with Nigel that I mean, this isn't like you know, they aren't the best finishers in the world, but I think one of the things is. They, it, it, you're talking about how do United win this? Well, yeah. they get a bit lucky on the counter, don't they? That that City don't convert like well, they'll probably have seventy percent possession, and they don't convert that into enough good shots. And two or three times the ball just breaks their way, and United score two of them. And I mean, like you know, I know that this will kind of come across as as sour grapes from from someone with an Arsenal affiliation, but realistically, that's how they beat that's how they beat Arsenal. They weren't the better team for most of the game. But like when the chances came their way, Rashford took them. And that's, I think that's where United are. And the forwards are good enough. I agree with you, Nigel. They are not world-class or anywhere near it. But they are good enough that if you do give them those chances on the counter, you might concede. I mean, I'm I, I'm saying all this. I don't see this being anything other than a, a City win. But I'm just, that's the only way I see United doing it. And I don't think that's impossible because we've seen it done. You know, it's it's weird because I, I I agree with James. I'm not I'm not here to agree with everyone, but I do see what Nigel's saying at the same time. Yes, we're all saying here they're not world class strikers. You know, they're not one chance, one goal. But I do agree with James. If they get a decent enough opportunity, and I reckon, especially in these big games, you know, if you look at it's Liverpool, they came alive. Do you see what I mean? And when you've got the likes of uh, Jaden Sancho there, who can find the net pretty well. Rashford, who hasn't done so bad this season, you know, of recent games. And of course, you've got Ronaldo, who, let's be real, he hasn't been the best Ronaldo this season, but you can't bet against him not, you know, scoring. So as far as I'm concerned, I think they can definitely nick a goal or two. But just like what you're saying, James, I don't see it any otherwise than a Man City win, especially if City just turn up and do the business really quickly. We've seen Haaland score early goals. How many times has he scored a goal within the first 20 minutes or a brace within the first 20 minutes? If they come out and they do their business the way they have been for the majority of the season, they're yeah. going to be fine. 
Nigel, let's take us home with your prediction and how this game is won or lost. I mean, I want to know a score. Who's on the score sheet? I mean, this has been a great segment. It's been awesome talking about the North London Derby. We're now discussing the Manchester Derby, but Nigel, we're about to wrap things up. So give me your prediction. Give me how the game is won or lost. I think one of our viewers, Matt, said it as well. I think he predicted a 3-1 to City, and I'm going to go with a 3-1 as well. I agree with what James is saying because I understand if the, that's the only way that Manchester United are going to have a chance of getting a goal and it's counter-attacking with those front three. My thing is, they're just not as clinical as Haaland. I think Haaland will be more clinical and I think the City have that edge to be more clinical in this game and decisive. And uh, again, it's, I think he will be the focal point. Haaland is really the key to this game and I see 3-1 City. James? Sorry, um, I'm just so <laughs> transfixed with Nigel's correctness. Um, but I, I will pretty much say the same stuff, but say 2-0 City. Because um, just like you've seen this game a lot, haven't you? I'd say, let's say Haaland and Bernardo Silva, but maybe it's Foden, maybe it's De Bruyne. What those two score early on, and that's the dream scenario for City, because then everything I said about counter-attacking, it doesn't happen. They just kill the game with possession. So yeah, I'm going to say 2-0 City. Joe, you're going for City, but give me a scoreline. I'll say 2-0 Man City. I mean, pretty similar to when you saw them play United at Old Trafford. Yes, the score was 3-0, if I'm correct. But there was a point where City were just toying with United. I mean, they didn't even use their subs that game. I'll never forget what an absolute disrespect. I reckon Man City are going to be doing the same thing. Very comfortable at the Etihad, or the empty had, as most people call it. Uh, but you're going to see a Haaland goal, and you will probably see, like what James is saying, a uh, uh, Foden pop out of nowhere or Kevin De Bruyne or Rodri wh whoever feels like scoring that day Kenzelo they've just got too much so definitely 2-0 Man City but it's going to feel like a 3-4-0 performance Listen I think if Manchester City get that early goal if it's in the opening 20 minutes it could be 3 or 4 for Manchester City because I just don't see any team really being able to stop Manchester City from scoring goals and, and it's not just Erling Haaland even though there is that potential that he could score a hat-trick in any game against any opponent. So if they get an early goal, Manchester City should win convincingly. But I'd like to see United get a, a goal first and make this game interesting. Really, let's make it a good uh, a good thriller. Let's test Manchester City to see how good they really are. But at the end of the day, I still have Manchester City as my favourites to go out. Uh, Nigel, you got one more thing to add before we move on from this one and close out the show? I forgot quickly to, uh, to add this. Let's not forget the Danish delight in Christian Eriksen. He can be a very dangerous man in this game because he's on fantastic form. I think he's Manchester United's best midfielder and he's playing fantastically well for the national team as well. He's another guy that I forgot to mention that can be a real difference maker in this game. If he can get the ball in time and space in midfield, he will provide that killer pass for that front three. And it's just one of them now just to put it into the back of the net and be ruthless. Yeah, he was on the score sheet in the international break against Croatia. Just recently had another outstanding performance as uh, Denmark had a big victory against France in the Nations League. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. But before we let you go, Nigel, I want to just throw something at you real quickly because it was breaking news yesterday. That, uh, a little shout out, I guess, more than anything else. Former Manchester City and uh, former partner of yours in midfield, Fabian Delph, announced his retirement yesterday on his Instagram. Little shout out to him from you. Uh yeah, mate. Delphi's my boy. He's uh he's uh he's my guy. We're still talking a group chat. Um obviously I don't know, he's just going through a little change in, in direction right now. Uh great, great kid. I remember when he first came to, to Villa from Leeds for us and I took him under my wing, became very close. His funniest story is when we played Arsenal away and me and him got into a bit of a row about pressing or staying at home and we had a bit of an argument, but we've always been uh 
had that brotherly love and stuff. He's a great, great talent. I think he's still young and I still believe that he's got a lot to offer the game. But it's a personal decision that he made himself and uh, he's a tremendous character. And he's not, what I like about Fabian is he's not your typical footballer. When you get to know him personally, and then Joel can probably add to it because Joel meets a lot of these uh, high profile footballers that we talk about. And Joel will be able to tell you the difference between, you know, yes, he's a footballer, but there's some that have that extra bit about them as a human being more so than a footballer. And that's Fabian Delph. Mm -hmm. Joel, you have been an awesome guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can all of our viewers catch your content? Where can they follow you? Let everybody know, please. Oh, man, you can catch me almost every day on the Five channel. Uh, Five is a platform owned by Rio Ferdinand, but it's been open to content creators worldwide. And I'm happy to say that I'm one of the leaders of the channel. Uh, and it's fantastic content. I've got Nigel coming on soon. Uh, Ian, we've got to sort it out so you guys can come on and James as well. But yeah, this is where I do the majority of my talking. But you can also find me on Instagram, uh, Joel Bayer one Please give me an ad, a message. Love to hear the feedback. Also on TikTok, it's Cheeky Sport, almost on 300,000 followers. So please get following. Thank you. Boys, thank you so much. Nigel Rio Coker, James Ben, tremendous as always. And what a special guest we had today in Joel Bear. Thank you, Joel, for joining us and uh, good luck going forward. Let's hope we get you back on more often because this has been a lot of fun. Um, gentlemen, thank you as always. Enjoy the weekend. Some big games coming up. Make sure you check out the previews from the guys tomorrow. That will be coming your way. We also did a segment with Fabrizio Romano this morning, which was eye-opening. Talks a lot about the North London derby with both Arsenal and Tottenham. Some players they missed out on in the recent transfer window and what he thinks that Arsenal will do in the transfer window coming up as well. So make, please make sure you go on to our YouTube page to find that one out as well. Thank you so much to everybody for watching Kego Lasso and listening to Kego Lasso. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else. You listen to your podcast. We are also available, unfortunately, for Nigel on video. So subscribe to us <laughs> on YouTube. Make sure you visit youtube.com forward slash Kego Lad. So love you boys. Thank you so much for joining us today and love everybody out there for tuning in and joining us. Enjoy the games this weekend. Ian, you got to be a foundation, mate. Take it off. <laughs>